You are listening to Our Urban Voices with Dr. Alphonse Javed, a podcast that presents Christian narratives through diverse voices that impact urban ministry. Here is your host. In this podcast, we cover everything from churches and church planting efforts, mission and missions organization evangelism, and unreached people groups, emerging movements and initiatives, justice, current events related to faith, and the persecutors too, author interviews, and more. Let's get to it. I'm so glad that you're here with us. And uh, we've been uh, uh, working together in New York City for some time. And thank you for your partnership. Why don't you go ahead and uh, introduce yourself to our audience, but also share a little bit about your family, your background, and your ministry. Thank you, Dr. Javid, for uh, having me uh, to your podcast. I've been looking forward to this. Uh, my name is Boto Joseph. Uh, for the listeners out there, uh, pastor in Jackson Heights, New York City. Uh, our neighborhood has been named uh, the one city block that holds the world. And uh, it's a very, very diverse neighborhood. Uh, but before being a pastor, uh, I am husband to Lisha. We've been married 12 years. We have four kids, six years and under. And uh, uh, we, we call Jacksonites home. So we've been here, um, it'd be close to 15 years of ministry. How did you, how did you come up with like, okay, I need to start ministry here in New York? So what led you, how you felt the call? Uh, share a little bit about your calling to this ministry, and especially in this city. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was born and raised in India the first 20 years of my life. Uh, my grandfather was the first Christian um, uh, from a Hindu background. And uh, even my dad, uh, at the age of 19, was when he gave his life to the Lord and uh, uh, so, you know, by the time we were born and raised, we, we were born and raised in a church setting. And uh, to be honest, uh, took that for granted the first 20 years of my life in India. And, uh, you know, I had said the prayer. I had taken baptism back in India. But when I came here to New York, uh, I think that's where I really experienced the power and the beauty of the gospel. Uh, so I, I call it my my second conversion experience uh, here in New York City, and and that led me, Dr. Javed, to uh, to a seminary uh, upstate New York. I just um, uh, was certain, was sure of God's calling upon my life, and uh, it was in those years in seminary when uh, the Lord began to open up my eyes to unreached people groups. And, and here is the thing, you know, uh, we both are from South Asia. I, I came to, to know that uh, the least reached peoples are my people. Uh, India still has the highest unreached people groups. Uh, that became such a burden in my heart. And, and so uh, 2009, the year I was graduating, uh, something, you know, uh, it's almost funny that happened was the director of my seminary went as a missionary to India. Now he's from, I think it was from Mississippi or Alabama, you know, so he went as a missionary to India. And, uh, and, and for me, I, I moved 
to Jackson Heights, New York City as an Indian, uh, to be a missionary, to reach our people, South Asians in in New York City. So, so that was uh, that was our journey. Lisha and I, we got married in 2009, and we really came to Jackson Heights, New York City, as missionaries to South Asians. So, what what your experience has been? So, so you talk about spending time and living in India for a period of time. Actually, uh, most of your early life. Um, so when it comes to ministry, and we know that Jackson Heights is, um, um, especially when it comes to South Asians, uh, it's uh, almost like little India. So right. how do you find uh, your work here um, different? How is it different from uh, work back uh, in India in that context, uh, one, two, um, How's, how is it different working as a family, you and your wife, right? Working as a family, serving together here uh, versus uh, um, somebody serving uh, back home, especially looking at your uh, grandfather and his ministry and all that. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a great question. Uh, a mentor of mine uh, said this some time ago that, you know, there, there was a time when, uh, missionaries went out from the West to the ends of the earth. But now the ends of the earth have come to, to the West, in a sense. And like you rightly mentioned, Dr. Javed, that, you know, Jackson Heights has been known as Little India, Little Pakistan. Now it's known as Little Bangladesh. You know, uh, the, the five people groups that really make up our neighborhood, and among others, are people from India, Pakistan, Nepal, Bangladesh, and Tibet. Uh, we're looking at five nations that have some of the highest, least peoples uh, that have been reached. So... Um, it's it's a great, great opportunity for us. And the way I look at it is, is this. Uh, first of all, people from these countries that, that still have the highest unreached people groups are very religious people. You know, India, the, the, the country of my birth, is also the birthplace of Hinduism, Buddhism, Sikhism, Jainism. If you are born in India, you're born into a swimming pool of world religion. So there you know, 330 million gods and goddesses in India. And yet, uh, we, we have a spiritual starvation. People are still searching and looking. Uh, and as we speak, you know, today the month of May 2021, India is going through one of the worst hit, uh, uh, you know, uh, times of pandemic and people are, are seeking for answers. And, and so um, for Lisha and I and our church here, Jackson Heights Community Church, uh, we want to share the gospel, which alone can uh, can satisfy the hungers of the people, which alone can satisfy, quench the thirst of people. Uh, so even in our neighborhood, uh, I think what's wonderful is people are ready, even eager to have spiritual conversations. 
so we can immediately have spiritual conversations and, and talk about God and talk about salvation. Heaven and hell is so real to Muslims and, and Hindus. Um, so people are not only spiritually hungry, but they're also eager um, uh, to have those conversations. Um, and, and I think uh, having, having good conversations is, is key for, for us. You know, we, we know from the life of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, how he spoke to each one differently. And, and he was a master in having conversations to really go deep into the hearts of people. Uh, and, and so even in our neighborhood, not, not only are people spiritually hungry, uh, but, but the types of people here, you know, the South Asians that we meet in, in, in New York City uh, have two unique uh, identities. First, uh, they are breadwinners for their family, which means, second, they are decision makers. Uh, so not only are the inf influential people who, who live here, uh, but they are really the, the, the doorkeepers of not only their family here, but back home in, in Pakistan, India, Bangladesh. Uh, so the opportunities are, are tremendous. I love uh, this. I love what you just said that these are the folks who are the breadwinner. They are the one, and I totally resonate with that. When you, when somebody is in the United States from one of the countries, a third world countries, or even uh, you know, especially the South Asian countries, somehow it elevates your status back home. And uh, uh, when you say something, it means uh it ha holds value um talk to me a little more about this aspect that how uh, when a person comes to christ here how that can uh, contribute to opening new doors back home simply because now this this person is regarded as somebody who made it knows and and uh, um is um held uh, on a, a uh, in a way, you know, on a on a on a honorable uh, at an honorable position where people wants to hear from him. Right, right. No, this is such an important aspect because um, I'll tell you, I I I can't count the number of times I have had WhatsApp uh, video calls back in back to Pakistan to Nepal and to India through new believers here uh, so let, let me give you let me give you a, at least a couple of examples if I can two years ago we had a Nepali brother from a Hindu background uh, who came we met uh, the Lord, um, saved him and uh, he he surrendered his life to the Lord. We baptized him. And the next thing that happened was we were starting to have conversations with his family back in Nepal. And I would even have opportunities to pray for their family back in Nepal. Uh, another example will be that of uh, a brother and a sister, uh, siblings uh, from a Hindu North Indian family uh, who just got baptized last year uh, in, in uh, December. 
And uh, their uncle, you know, still from a devout Hindu family, but their uncle has some liver sickness issue back in India. And I had the privilege of, of praying for their uncle over the phone back in India. Um, probably if it was, if, if I was in India, and I'm just saying it as an example, if I was in India, that may be a, that may be a little harder to call someone, you know, in the States or someone in the West, but it's, it's been, um, uh, it's been a great opportunity to, to meet influential people. These are not only people of peace, but people of influence where you get to share the gospel with them and they even open up doors for you back home, uh, you know, where, wherever that is in, in South Asia. And I think that, yeah, that's wonderful. Now let me switch uh, our conversation and uh, talk about our city, Metro, uh, New York area, especially in New York City. And in that context, I want to discuss the idea of church planting. How hard is it? Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's very hard. <laughs> uh, that's the simple answer. Okay, so let me let me clarify how okay. how hard is it in a in a sense that uh, um, so I know back in uh, Pakistan. Uh, my dad has a church and uh, it's a Muslim country, of course. And uh, uh, then uh, now I know that my my brother, both brothers started their own churches. In other words, planted their own churches in two different communities. I also hear from other people who are planting. So, um, uh, so they don't even know what it means to plant a church. They don't use the word planting church. Uh, even for me, it was a very... Um, um, for me, it was a very uh, somewhat new term when I got here in the United States um, because I planted a church in Greece uh, mm. while I was there in a Bible college. And uh, uh, when I finished my degree program there on the day of uh, graduation, the director of our school, because there were other Americans, so he said that and uh, he made a big deal and complimented my work. And then he said something to the fact that here we have uh, um, a church planter among us. He planted a church in Athens. And I, did, I, to me, it was not a big deal. But when I got here, I was like, oh boy, it's very expensive. It's extremely hard. I tried to plant that uh, a church in Brooklyn, um, but it was so hard. So I leaned, literally, I made a willful decision, not only lean toward, willfully, I made a decision that, okay, I'm going to work for a church where I can have a proper salary, um, health benefits, et cetera, et cetera. So um, back to the question, mm. how hard is it to plant a church in the context of family, when you need to meet the needs of your family, so there is the financial aspect, and then time commitment, um, because you gotta care for your children, for your family, uh, and for your your self care, and so then the energy level, uh, because New York City consumes a lot of energy. So those are the three specific areas that I was thinking when I said, how hard is it? Yeah, yeah, no, this is, uh, uh, 
This is such a crucial question, really, for for every Christian, actually. And in our context here in New York City, um, I, I think how we understand church planting, how we define success in church planting, uh, what kind of goals and expectations we have. If, if we are not clear about, uh, about them, uh, I think it, it can be so disastrous and we can hurt many people along with ourselves. And, uh, you know, as this pandemic uh, for us and for me personally, at least I will speak, has been uh, just a season that has exposed um, uh, the things that I've been chasing after. And it, it, as a church planter, I, I think it has shown uh, uh, how I define success. You know, as the pandemic has taken away many things away from us, uh, it, it has uh, really helped me see things afresh. Uh, I was talking with, with a... Uh, and uh, a denominational church leader recently, and, and he was sharing with me saying that churches for whom uh, it has been Sunday-centric, building-centric, and pastor-centric have been the ones who have been uh, hurt most. And I think this is so important to know. If we are only Sunday-centric, if we're only building-centric, and if we're only one pastor-centric, uh, I, I think it really doesn't, or, or I can confidently say that it does not reflect the biblical model of church planting. And yet, that is often the model that we, uh, you know, that we usually operate in. So, uh, as, as far as our context, Dr. Javed, I am understanding church planting more as parenting, and like I mentioned earlier, I have four kids. You know, they're age, age, ages six, four, two, and two months old. <laughs> the youngest is two months old. And really, church planting and pastoring is, is, is a long process. And living in New York City, I feel like New York City is like the third soil. Remember the, the, the parable of the four, four soils? And I think it's the, four, the, the, the third soil that is the thorny the, the thorny soil, where the things of this world, the desires of this world choke the seed. And uh, and, and that's how the, the, the seed is not fruitful. And I feel like living in New York City, everyone is chasing the American dream. And, and I including think- Including the us, church, including the church. Including the church. And that's why I think we really have to ask ourselves, how do we define success? And I'll be honest with you right now, the way we are defining success is by saying small is big. Small steps of entering into relationships, making small difference in the way we love our neighbors, like that is huge success. Um, so so yeah, you, you, you are right, it, it, it even begins uh, you know, in our church culture. Um, so to, to say the last thing, there is so much to say, but let me just say one last thing. The way I've been starting to, to understand church planting is 
uh, is something that Alan Hirsch uh, really helped me with. He said, rather than just thinking about church planting, where we often picture a building, we should be thinking of gospel planting, where we are planting the gospel seeds and allowing that to grow. I think the danger for many of us is we live in a technology world where everything is so instant, but the kingdom is has a picture not of technology, but of agriculture. And that takes a lot of patience and a lot of prayer. Yeah. And uh, I think the the problem that I see in our context, which is a uh, uh, you know urban setting, you're also dealing with uh, um, um, one this expectation that comes with with being in New York City uh, that you gotta make it in this city, so you gotta get oh. uh, a better building, better music. So there is a idea of. Uh, competition almost like even within churches how can i do better how what do i need to do and then there is the also issue um of um uh, uh you know the so there are so many model one of that is attractional model and uh, when you when it comes to attractional model uh you have to uh, church planting tra- uh, attractional model you have to constantly cater to the need of your audience right and in this setting, it's hard to have a building in New York City because that's very expensive unless you are around for many, 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 many decades like Calvary Baptist Church that been around over 170, what, like three or four years now. So it's like almost reaching 175 years around here. And uh, or you get the other issue is, I think, aspect, uh, uh, not, not aspect, sorry, ec- uh, what, what is expected uh, of a uh, ministry in New York City is to be um, be ready to respond to ongoing problems. For example, right for the last uh, uh, year after the so what one we were hit by pandemic, which I'm going to talk to you briefly. Uh, two, we were hit by the one of the largest movement in our in our uh, days or in recent time for uh, civil right or racial um, injustice against mm. racial, race, racial injustice took place right here. It started right here and became a global movement. And mm. uh, third, um, for me, being in Manhattan, just only a cu- uh, couple blocks away from uh, President Donald Trump's uh, residency, I also saw a lot of political um, division where both uh, sides, people from both uh, sides, Democrats and uh, Republicans showed up. And so so there are so many, and then constantly we are under the threat of uh, uh, terrorism. So we have a lot of these things happening and church is not immune to these things. Church, people who go to church are people, so they live in so, uh, among other people, so they get uh, tangled with those uh, kind of things. So let me uh, bring you back. So you were talking, we were talking about uh, church planting and uh, having those uh, uh, gospel-centered churches, planting gospel, right? So do you think when you, uh, as Alan Hirsch advises, if you follow his model, if you have those small communities, if you have those uh, uh, gospel 
planters uh, and planting those house churches, do you think those churches uh, will do uh, better um, and will not be affected by what's going on in the city as the culture changes, as the politics, uh, <clears throat> politics continue to um, do what it has always done as the racial injustice uh, uh, movement uh, uh, catching up and more people are involved. Do you think the house church will be uh, somewhat not involved? How is it going to affect the house church? Yeah, yeah. And I think this is really a conversation worth worth having. Um, uh, you know, as you rightly gave us the backdrop of, of what we are all going through, where, uh, I mean, this time last year, we all had to, in essence, evacuate our buildings. We could not even gather together. Uh, and, and yet we know that, uh, uh, you know, events may be canceled, but the church and the mission of God is never canceled until our Lord comes back. And I think for every church, I, I really hope it uh, uh, allowed us to um, to consider and and reconsider what our mission is. Uh, even for us, you know, we we actually were meeting at a Muslim restaurant, and that's a whole different story for about four years. Uh, but when the pandemic began, it it allowed us to to start meeting in smaller house churches, and I'm I'm just sharing with with you through experience in the one year that we have done house churches, we have grown so much more. Not just numerically, maybe numerically we are we are smaller, <laughs> but we have grown deeper in our love for Jesus and for one another. Wow. Uh, I'll, I'll just give you one example. Just recently, you know, in our small little house church, we were going over John 3, uh, John chapter 3. We we're talking about, you know, for God so loved the world, that whole verse. And I just asked this question because it's more discussion oriented. It's more of a conversation rather than, you know, just 90% proclamation preaching. And, you know, Dr. Javed, I, I want to be very clear. There is a place for proclamation. Uh, uh, there is a place for preaching. I think the danger is if that becomes the main thing only. I think there is a danger of in, in that. And I'll give you the example for that. Uh, it, when we were talking about John chapter three, and I asked our small little group, does anyone know whom Jesus was having a conversation with in John three? Several of them grew up in, in church most of their lives, and they could not remember whom Jesus was talking to in John chapter 3. And, and when I asked them to read verse 1 and 2, and you know, then uh, they read about Nicodemus, they were surprised. They were like, oh, we forgot. And, and so... I, I think a lot of times, you know, in the way we do churches, we, it's, it can be very knowledge-based. Uh, but but, but in, in our little house church experience, it has allowed us to, to grow together as a family. It, it really has given us a sense uh, of a family. And I think this is going to be the most effective way uh, of, of 
making an impact in our neighborhood. I think that's how the early church did it, you know, where individual lives were transformed, uh, families were transformed, and the way that they lived in the neighborhood, it, uh, basically uh, the way transformation happened in the early church was that uh, their love for one another in the house churches began to overflow into the neighborhood. And, and I think that is what we need rather than going to the space on Sunday that we rent or that we, you know, call our sacred spaces and, and almost make it a place of escape or refuge. And I'm not saying that that is how we look at it, but it can, beca- it can become the culture where we meet a couple of hours every Sunday, we feel good about ourselves, we feel community, but then uh, that is it. Wow. Uh, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's wonderful. Well, as we close, tell me a joke. <laughs> you were not expecting that, were you? <laughs> no. <laughs> Man, you gave, you, you definitely, it was a very serious talk, a serious topic. So, yeah. So, yeah. Tell me a joke. It could be a dad joke. Oh, I I have a lot of dad jokes. In fact, we uh, uh we we even write them down. So let me see. Um. <laughs> That's another thing you and I share. I write them down too. So my my when my boys do, I have four years old, two years old, and my twin. Um, girls, right. they are, yeah, I have twin girls. They are seven months old. So yeah, uh, it's pretty neat. So give me the joke. Gosh. Um, okay, our second year old. Oh, well, we were going over the um, the story of, of David. And, and I think we, we had said to him, remember Jesse, the father of David? And he said, no, 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 no. Jesse is the cowboy girl from Toy Story, Woody's friend. (laughs) That's perfect. That's exactly what I do when my children say things like that. Yeah, I record them too. (laughs) Wow. That's not the best joke, but still, you know, every day there is something or the other. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much again. So there you have it, uh, folks. Uh, um, until next week, I would say think on uh, some of these things that uh, Boto shared with us. And uh, I'll see you guys. I'll talk to you guys next week with uh, another guest. Until then, God bless you all. You've been listening to Our Urban Voices with Dr. Alphonse Javed, which presents Christian narratives through diverse voices that impact urban ministry. Please check back for new episodes every week.